This is A Word, a podcast from Slate. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. Many of us experimented with different hairstyles in our teens, but for some Black students, wearing a natural hairstyle can actually get them punished in school or even expelled. Why? And what can we do about it? We just have to keep trucking along to better protect ourselves so that we can feel comfortable wearing our hair without being penalized. Can the Crown Act protect Black kids? Coming up on A Word with me, Jason Johnson. Stay with us. Welcome to A Word, a podcast about race and politics and everything else. I'm your host, Jason Johnson. For decades, white businesses and institutions openly discriminated against black people who chose to wear their hair in natural styles. That meant being disqualified for work or promotions because natural black hair was deemed unprofessional. That's why 24 states passed a law to prohibit it called the Crown Act. Crown stands for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. And Texas is one of the states that has passed a version of the law, which is part of why the case of Daryl George is so confusing and some would say infuriating. For months, the teenager and his family have fought the Barbers Hill Independent School District outside of Houston, which suspended and then ultimately expelled George for his natural hairstyle. And his mother, Derisha George, says it's taking a toll on his mental health. He he can't sleep at night. Every day, he dreads going to school. He dreads it. He cries. Every night, I have to look in my son's eyes and give him words of encouragement just to even get him to go to sleep. And then when he wake up, when he finally go to sleep and wake, have to wake up at the crack of dawn, because that's what time he got to get up to get on the bus, he's, he have tears in his eyes. And I have to give him words of encouragement. We're going to get through this. We're going to we fighting for you. And that's the, I think that's the only reason he's, he's sticking through it, because he know we're behind him. We're behind him. We come in full force by any means necessary. We're coming behind him. Now, a local judge has set a February court date to settle the issue for Daryl George. But the larger question remains, why is natural black hair still being punished in schools? And how can we protect our kids? Joining us to talk about it is Jennifer Wyatt Bourgeois. She's a professor at Lone Star College and a research fellow at Texas Southern University's Center for Justice Research. She's written about the Crown Act for the Brookings Institution and elsewhere. Professor Bourgeois, welcome to A Word. Hello. Thank you for having me. I understand that George's family has a religious objection to changing his hair. What is their faith or what is their faith concern? And not because they need to rationalize that to the public, but just because you know, what's the the sort of ideological attitude behind it in his family? Yeah. So when I think about that question, I think about how our hair is an expression of our culture. So Daryl George is seeking a religious exemption for his locks because it's a way for him to be able to symbolize his family's tradition of expressing their ancestral connection. So his mom has, you know, she shared a story about how there are several men in their families that have locks and they grow out their locks. And it's essentially the same thing what Daryl is doing. He's, he's getting a chance to express his culture by growing out his locks. And that's his way to reinforce his bond with the higher spiritual power. And as black individuals, our hair is more than just a fashion statement. It's our chance to really express our identity and show all the amazing things 
about our culture. So, you know, he shouldn't be penalized for that, for simply expressing his culture and his religious beliefs. So, and this is the thing, and I I find this so much in this story. The school superintendent actually took out a full page ad in the Houston Chronicle this month to justify putting George out of the school. First off, what do we know about this school superintendent? And second off, what was his argument? I just, I find it fascinating. If you got to be that loud about your decision, it's usually because you don't think it's right. Um, but I, I am, I am hard pressed to think of a situation where a school superintendent feels it's necessary to take out a full page ad to explain why a student is being expelled. Well, it appears, Jason, that this particular school superintendent, he has a lot of time on his hands. So just to give a little bit more context about um, Barbara Hills ISD, it's a smaller school district, about 30 minutes outside of Houston. Um, It has about 6,800 students amongst its elementary, intermediate, and high school. So it's a smaller school district. This is also not the first time that this particular superintendent has been involved in hair discrimination practices in his um, school district. We first, you know, learned about him in 2020 with a similar situation and another student um, in which he was being singled out due to his particular hair. And that's kind of where the Crown Act really gained attention in Texas. So fast forward now to this particular school superintendent taking out an ad, doubling down on why Barbara Hills ISD is not in violation of the Crown Act. He's standing firm on that the suspension was due to Daryl George's hair length and not style, which we know that due to past behavior with this particular um, superintendent in 2020, he's at it again. I want to learn a little bit more about this young man and his school. Um, What kind of student was he? Because it's not like he showed up one day with long hair were there warnings when it was two inches and they said if it gets to six we're going to kick you out were there comments when his family moved into the school district was this a particular teacher complained like what was the buildup to this young man being expelled it seems like there was a lack of buildup it seems like it was sudden it was swift here in texas school starts off about mid August, you know, August 15th, August 16th. So imagine within two weeks of school starting, you're already removed from the classroom and placed in in school suspension or what we refer to as ISS. Daryl's mother has shared several times that Daryl's a good student. He enjoys going to school. He enjoys being in the classroom. And it does appear that Daryl has a great support system with his family. Yet there's this strain of when you're removed from the classroom, you're dealing with the mental, the physical element, the emotional toll of not being in a classroom with your peers. And let's even think about how you're in high school. You want to be around your friends. You want to be in class. You want to be learning. But picture that isolation in ISS, cold room with cold food, this environment that clearly is not conducive to learning and well-being. Daryl has also talked about what it feels like being in ISS and how it feels like he's being criminalized for his identity. Then you add another layer to that, Jason. I mean, we're just adding all these layers to it. And then you start thinking about you're in high school and you're falling behind in your classes and how this could potentially be putting your graduation in jeopardy. So usually when we think about our junior and our senior years, it's it's that buildup to graduation, to adulthood, to life after high school. But unfortunately, 
Daryl's final months of high school is not going to be this glorious occasion of graduation. I wouldn't wish that on any high school student. We're going to take a short break and we come back more on the limits of the Crown Act. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about natural hair and discrimination in schools with Professor Jennifer Bourgeois. So we've talked about this. There was a version of the Crown Act that was passed in Texas, right? Um, This is Texas. Okay, We don't have to talk about all the sort of bizarre repressive laws that have been passed in Texas over the last couple of years. What was sort of the process of getting that signed in a state, a state where you know, arguably these kinds of policies usually don't seem to be turned into law. Yeah. So we have seen the progress of this particular act. And, you know, obviously we saw the, the bill pass in the U.S. House of Representatives and then the bill, the bill did not pass in the Senate. And then we started seeing it kind of progress to the state level in 2023 at the beginning of the school years when we saw the passing of it specifically in Texas. So Texas became um one of the 23rd or 24th states that implemented it, hoping that that will actually um, contribute to the banning of these hair discriminatory practices. But unfortunately, that's not what we saw. Your broader research uh, covers how race affects discipline in schools and experimenting with hair is a pretty normal part of high school. My question is, what has your research shown about how hair in particular becomes a way in which school discipline is is unequally meted out against black and brown children because it would seem to me it's pretty normal for a kid to have an outlandish hairstyle. Yeah, exactly. So what we found, um, so we initially looked at um, kind of our data at the aggregate level and we were interested in knowing kind of the big picture, why students were being suspended, for what reasons, was it in-school suspension, out-of-school suspension. But when we really got down and into the disaggregated data and looked at one particular school district, we realized that over 70% of the reasons why students were removed for the classroom were, were due to discretionary reasons or subjective reasons. Then when we started diving in a little bit even deeper, we realized that it was a substantial amount due to dress code violations. And then when you start peeling back that layer, then you realize that it's um, due to students' hair and things of that nature. And just like you mentioned, students experiment with their hair, just like adults do, me, myself, and I. I mean, on every two weeks, my hairstyle is changing. Um, and I can imagine being punished for that or penalized for that or even criminalized for that simply because of wanting to express my hair. And what it results in ultimately with these students is being removed from the classroom. And it equates to several hours lost of learning. And that's a big concern. This is Daryl George's senior year. What's next in his case? And what do we know about how this might affect his ability to graduate. Where are we as far as this case affecting his ability to walk across the stage in June? Yeah, Jason, very good question. There's a lot of things that still remain kind of unknown because, you know, it's still at a point where he's not in the classroom. And one thing we really haven't gone into a lot of detail about is these alternative schools, these disciplinary alternative schools 
They are a mixture of a wide variety of students that have been removed from the classroom. There are students that may be there for um, hair discrimination. There may be students that are there for even more serious behavioral problems and they've been removed from the classroom. They could be violent students. And imagine you're there with other students for more violent reasons for why they've been removed from the classroom and you're being criminalized based upon your hair. Also, let's talk about the lack of instruction that happens in some of these um, alternative schools. You're given assignments and you're you're left to kind of fend for yourself and teach yourself, which could possibly jeopardize Daryl falling behind in his studies and could potentially um, jeopardize him graduating. These are all things that are very disheartening. Another part of this, there was a case several years ago uh, about a young black man who was kicked out of a wrestling tournament because of the length of his hair. Um, there's a case right now, uh, Zuri Washington, who is an actress in the traveling play 1776, uh, who's in a discrimination case. She's suing the play because she asked to wear a wig because her natural hair was going to be damaged by the role and, and they fired her and it was retaliation. How widespread do you think we are in this sort of war front on, on hair? Um, because, while the Crown Act was a example of progress, we are also in this sort of regressive stage where we're seeing attacks on on gains that we've had over the last couple of years. So do you see these cases increasing? Are they spreading? Are we seeing more cases of people being discriminated against against the workplace and young people being discriminated against against their hair across the country? Yeah, very good question. So it's very disheartening when we see those stories kind of pop up in the media. And the research has shown that, you know, two thirds of black women change their hairstyles for a job interview. And out of that, about 41 percent change their hair from curly to straight. And that's the whole purpose of the Crown Act was to eliminate hair discrimination, not only in schools, but workplaces and also public settings. We just have to keep trucking along and get more, get this passed and more stakes to, to better protect ourselves so that we can feel comfortable wearing our hair without being penalized. We're going to take a short break. We come back more about the Crown Act with Professor Jennifer Bourgeois. This is A Word with Jason Johnson. Stay tuned. This is Jason Johnson, host of A Word, Slate's podcast about race and politics and everything else. I want to take a moment to welcome our new listeners. If you've discovered A Word and like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And let us know what you think by writing us at a word at slate.com. Thank you. You're listening to A Word with Jason Johnson. Today, we're talking about ending discrimination over natural black hairstyles with Professor Jennifer Bourgeois. So, Professor, what I'm looking at now is the case of this particular young man, but I, I want to talk a little bit about what the law requires. And, and what I mean by that is the Crown Act says you can't discriminate. But as we've seen with most laws throughout this country, just because there's a law in the books that says you can't discriminate there has to be somebody to enforce the non-discrimination. There has to be some higher authority to step in and say, hey, stop it. Now that the superintendent has said, yeah, I don't care. Daryl George is out of school because we don't like his hair. Is Governor Abbott going to do anything? Have there been members of Congress to do anything? Are there federal representatives who represent the Houston area? What's the next step for this young man and his family? 
So the next step, it should really focus on kind of um, amending the Crown Act to explicitly include hair length um, as a protected characteristic. That's been one suggestion that has been mentioned to kind of close those loopholes. Because what's happening is Barbara Hill's ISD, they found that loophole, even though the act protects against um, natural hair state and texture, and it lists a couple of different type of protected hairstyles. Um, it doesn't explicitly say link. So essentially what we have is these deeply ingrained attitudes and stereotypes about hair that can influence the enforcement of dress codes and grooming policies. And what, what we're seeing is school districts and workplaces finding these loopholes. And until those loopholes are closed, we could potentially see these public entities and school districts and workplaces continuing to um, discriminate based upon natural hair. When it comes to how punishment is meted out, how consequences are meted out against black children in schools, hair is just one of the many ways that our children are often targeted. What are some of the other highly subjective and arbitrary ways that tend to be used to mark and track black students as being a problem or disruptive in schools? So some of the other things that we found in our research were these discretionary reasons why students were removed from the classroom, such as being disrespectful to teachers, to tardiness, to talking while a, um, a teacher is lecturing during class and things of that nature. And essentially, that's what we saw in our research were 70% of the reasons that students were removed were for these very subjective reasons. How one teacher will measure or will decide if the student is being disrespectful, that may be different for another teacher. So these subjective reasonings could, it kind of adds to students being removed from the classroom and losing valuable instruction time. This story has begun to grow and there will be more attention paid to it, no doubt, sort of in the coming weeks and months. What kinds of people have, have brought this story to the forefront? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of support just in the Houston area with just um, different local activists um, that are really stepping up. Community members are stepping up, which is really good um, because what it what's what's happening is we're getting um, this issue brought to the forefront even more. So it's always great when even community members are on board, family members are on board, as we've seen with Daryl George's family. I mean, his mother is right there at the forefront, really advocating for him to continue to wear his hairstyle. We have a lot of local activists that are stepping up. We have a lot of local pastors that are involved in advocacy that are supporting him as well. So there's there's been a lot of support in the Houston area. If someone is listening to the show right now and this is happening to their child or their friend's child in North Carolina, in Florida, in Maryland, in Ohio, in Montana, what would you advise that they do based on your research, based on the struggles that you see the family having in Texas right now? What would you advise another parent or someone who cares about a kid to do about hair discrimination in this post-Crown Act world if they're experiencing it right now? I would urge everyone that's listening to take a stand against hair discrimination um, in our communities, educate themselves and others about the importance of inclusivity and in hair policies, especially in schools and workplaces. Reach out to your local and state representatives to advocate for comprehensive legislation like the Crown Act. And if your state has not um, implemented the Crown Act, advocate for that. 
But definitely take a stand, get engaged with your school district, go to the school board meetings so that you know what's happening and you know what is written in these dress code policies for your school district. So definitely take a stand and educate yourselves. Jennifer Wyatt Bourgeois is a professor at Lone Star College and a research fellow at Texas Southern University's Center for Justice Research. Thanks so much for joining us today on A Word. Thank you for having me. And that's a word for this week. The show's email is a word at slate.com. This episode was produced by Christy Taiwo Macanjula. Ben Richmond is Slate's Senior Director of Podcast Operations. Alicia Montgomery is the Vice President of Slate Audio. Our theme music was produced by Don Will. I'm Jason Johnson. Tune in next week for Word. <laughs>